Hello everybody and welcome back to the Catch Kate podcast. This week we are on episode number 12 of season 2 and we are arriving into Austria. Austria is an amazing country with just such scenic landscapes. Think of lakes, mountains, snowy hilltops, glaciers, picturesque little pretty towns with Mozart music and yeah just amazing 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 and the time I went there it was full of snow so it was just a picture perfect paradise um a snowy paradise I guess you could say um so I'll talk a bit about my road trip through Austria through some of the different towns I visited and stayed in from west to east and I'll also talk a bit about nature of course um, a bit about nature um, through autumn and some of the surveys that you could take part in if you wish um, and also I just want to say a massive thank you to uh, Ballymaloo and whomever has been visiting there and purchasing my books and photography I popped over during the week and um, just restocked some bits and uh, was very very happy to see my Patagonia shots uh, being purchased so I just want to say a massive thank you for me for supporting my small business and yeah keeping me going keep on going um, and yeah so um, this is also going to be uh, the last episode of season two so I'll take a break again um, just to yeah put in the right amount of episodes per season um, and to be able to refresh and really kind of get a good insight into what I'm putting into. So this is just a thank you again to the patrons for supporting each and every episode weekly. Um, I couldn't have done this without you and I so appreciate you helping me to keep it going. And if you can support um, and would like to um, see a follow up uh, season three, then I would love to to get your support you can join on patreon slash catch kate and yeah help me keep the work going so here we go guys let's land into austria so i actually flew to austria from ireland and i flew into a city known as salzburg um so it's on the west side and this is actually the town of mozart so you'll find well, you'll actually, you can visit old um, kind of museum or his old house if you feel like you into that. Um, but also it's just a picture perfect town. Like there's this massive medieval fortress on top of the old town and it's just strikingly beautiful. Um, and then it's just like this stunning alpine scenery. So you can kind of just venture around the old town and go to the markets and get like really... Um, yeah, it's just an amazing, it's just an amazing country and amazing, just so picturesque, you know, really cute. And you can actually walk up to the fortress and take a tour around the city walls and the inside of the fortress as well, which in some places is very dark, but you can learn a lot about the history. And then you can go up to these real heights where you climb steps and you just get this massive view and um, you just feel so tiny up there but it's amazing so I definitely recommend going up there um, 
You can also go out and visit these kind of national gardens, which are amazing as well. And as I said, the place was full of snow when I went there. So it was just strikingly beautiful. And um, yeah, just uh, snow falling everywhere. I remember like going out to this national gardens and just being so like immersed in the snow and feeling so happy and joyful and picking up snowballs and throwing them in the air. And it was amazing. It was such a really fun time. So one of the main places I wanted to get to in Austria was Hallstatt. So it's so funny because I always do this thing where I'll be looking through National Geographic or something like that, which actually this town does appear in National Geographic. And I'm just like, I need to go there. (laughs) So that happens to me a lot. Well, it it has in the past happened a lot. And I'm like driven then so driven to get to the place you know even if it's really hard to get to so um we actually rented a car to get there and um oh this place like you've got to look it up online it's amazing um it's pure fairy tale magic and it actually has featured national geographic for being the most instagrammable uh town in the world and it actually appeared in some I don't know, was it a Korean magazine or something? So it just like blew up like on the radar and became a massive tourist uh, visitor attraction. And I think it's just been suffering actually with over tourism, probably not now with COVID, but in the past, yes. Um, So it's gone through some massive change from being a quite little picturesque town, um, an old salt mining town actually, to somewhere that got flooded with tourists, you know. But the day I went there, we drove there, parked up and um, just kind of walked around the town really and took in the sights and the smells, like amazing food again, all typical Austrian food um, and, you know, hot chocolates and that kind of stuff because it was really cold at that time when I went. And again, um, I ended up doing like a hike up the back of the town so you can like walk through the town and there's a big lake and you can get some amazing shots with the mountain scenery and ended up finding this like hiking trail up above the town which um, I only had like a pair of trainers on at the time so I wasn't really prepared for it but um, it was full of snow and just kind of you know winged it started climbing and got up to a point after about an hour where there was a waterfall and I was like whoa there's just this massive drop so um just thought like it might be the best time to turn back then you know when you're not really geared up for hiking and you find a hike that was kind of the way it was um so just ventured off a bit in the town and exploring and then came back down and just having hot chocolates by the lake and it's really cute um but it is actually a unesco world heritage site and um has been classified uh, since like decades so it's really really amazing place um and as well like there's a really rich salt mining history so for a lot of years people would have worked in the mines there getting salt and there would have also been a lot of you know deaths like like usually with mines like as I've seen in all over the world especially in Bolivia and other places like that in the mines like you'd have like the amount of people that die in there is incredible and a lot of the time you know they're not registered or we don't find them you know so it's kind of scary but they do have like this um 
house there that you can visit where there's like all these skulls and they've been painted. So like, I suppose old local people, they found all these kind of um, preserved kind of but like bones and stuff, you know. And um, yeah, I guess in the mines, maybe it's so cold that it preserves them. And they, yeah, they decided to dig them up and to kind of celebrate them in a way, their deaths or their lives. And they've painted them so you can actually visit that house. But I didn't visit it. Um, I'm more into the nature in these places and the mountains and the lakes rather than visiting dead, you know, bodies or skulls kind of freaks me out. (laughs) And if you've heard the Mexico episode, you remember we... When I visited the Mummy Museum, I just didn't feel right for a couple of days. I was like, what was that? Like, everybody was like, you need to visit this Mummy Museum. Oh, my God, you need to go there. And I was like, what? And then I went there and I just felt really weird, like being around all these dead bodies. And even like they they mummified like babies and everything, you know, so it was a bit like a bit bit creepy for me, to be honest. Um, But yeah. So definitely add Hallstatt to the list. Have a look of a picture of it online. It's absolutely phenomenally beautiful. And you can do a hike up the back. You can have a hot chocolate and you can get some gorgeous pictures by the lake. So the second kind of area um, in central Austria I stayed in was in Bad Aussie. Now, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it correctly. Um, Maybe somebody who speaks German can correct me. Um, But yeah, stayed there with some lovely friends and they were just such lovely people and had the most amazing house in this winter wonderland. Everything covered in snow and it's actually an Airbnb as well. So yeah, had a lovely room and kitchen. And then like I remember being on the balcony and there was like this swinging kind of hammock chair and I used to sit in it in the morning watching the glorious mountains and sunshine with a coffee and I was just be like I am in heaven it was an amazing amazing um place and just the most beautiful house and the people who owned it you know so from there I visited some lakes again um one called Altausee and another called Grundelsee um again not sure if I'm pronouncing correctly but you can check up photos of them they are just amazingly beautiful as well and you can go and do beautiful hikes around them one of them as well I actually walked onto the lake into the middle of it like a crazy person and like the lake was frozen but like I really took a big risk because you don't actually know do you like would it actually break but I just took my chances (laughs) Um, and then I did another hike around the other lake and just amazing scenery, forests, crunchy snow. Um, yeah, amazing. And then just touring around that area in general, like there's glaciers, ski resorts, drove up to the ski resorts. Amazing watching people just doing all the jumps and flying over the sky. (laughs) I would have gone skiing had I equipment, but it just wasn't as prepared for the trip, if you get me. Um... And as well, like you can do mountain biking there, you can do cycling, you can do all sorts of adventure sports. And yeah, it's pretty, um, it's pretty amazing place for scenery and hiking 
And again, like in the evenings, you just come back from your hike and you're just like, give me hot food and you're feeling like um, you just want to be nourished, you know. So actually on that point, something really interesting I was reading about heat and cold is um, the dopamine hit. So I've been reading up about, um, I suppose, the blue mind, the aspect of human beings and their relationship with the ocean. And I swim every day um, in the cold and then I come home and, you know, I have a hot cup of something or sometimes I'll have a hot shower, you know, and it's that... um, it's that, um, and you know, because it is quite painful getting into the cold, like it can be really painful and the body goes into stress mode, which is actually positive in the end. It's like a positive stress. And I was reading about the dopamine rush that basically what happens is that um, when you are cold and you get heat, the body gets a dopamine hit. And when you are hot and then you get cold, the body gets a dopamine hit. And... Um, yeah it's just that sense of reward that reward factor so if you are trying to um create neural pathways in your brain for happiness or create joy it's really interesting that the cold can actually do that that like a 30 second cold shower um and then getting heat after can actually can actually do that well i think the ocean definitely is the best and and river but definitely the ocean um because it can really do that but that's always why we love getting into the warmth and getting snuggly because it's that reward factor of like oh my god it's so cold and now i have all the heat you know i guess it's kind of an ancestral thing of being able to survive and having that comfort so back to austria um so along with the amazing scenery you have castles scattered throughout the country which are just like fairy tale again you're just in awe of like is it real like you have these lakes and then you'll have like this massive mound like a forestry and then there's this beautiful castle on top and you you don't even imagine it's real so one of the ones I visited despite um as well as the one in um, Salzburg, so that's a massive one overlooking the town. But there was another one called Burgruna Gallenstein. And again, this is like another mountain castle and it had like a monastery, but it's in the state of Styria. So it's kind of again in the central area of Austria. But like obviously I road tripped kind of from west to east, so past castles during the journey and ski resorts and just like I remember just driving through all these forested roads and just everywhere would be snow 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 just amazing and super cozy in the car so the last place I visited after was um, Vienna of course the capital and the largest city and again it had a very like Parisian feel so like very kind of uh like superior architecture and again like you have music there that plays that's been played for centuries you know so it's pretty um it's pretty unique in that way and very old style so I actually did a walking tour of the city and that was really nice we got to walk through these like national gardens again and visit all these really you know the facades on these really prominent buildings which were very classy we'll say and um, you could just see the richness of the city. Um, very beautiful. And again, uh, loads of coffee shops. So if you're into that, there's coffee shops there that have been like renowned for 
decades like um so it's a real big coffee hub as well um and yeah I stayed outside the city in an airbnb and then ventured inwards um but it was definitely worth a visit again I think the interior of Austria is more pristine and more beautiful and there's some amazing places that I didn't get to like these massive like um roads that traverse like these huge mountainscapes with glaciers and all sorts and I did get to go up and see glaciers as well which was amazing like on one such occasion in Badau Sea and we took off in the car and ended up at a glacier site and it's just like phenomenal looking into the center of the valley and just unreal and then trekking up the mountain in the snow and getting lost in the trees and then eventually like reaching a hut I remember being like just a little bit like where am I like did we get lost just like randomly going for treks you know and then bringing a backpack with snacks and just enjoying it all you know but essentially the gear you need the gear for the snow and uh, like I didn't have it like my Iceland trip I wasn't very prepared but sure I just went at it anyways um and it's kind of a bit of excitement too but definitely be prepared so that you can fully 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 enjoy it um and yeah definitely put those notes in your diary Salzburg, Hallstatt, Badau Sea, the lakes around there the glaciers and finish off in Vienna and it's like a perfect road trip so I would like to talk a bit about nature now in Ireland in the autumn. Um, so at the moment, if you're out looking, you will see that the ivy is flowering. And there is a such thing as the ivy bee. And it is actually, uh, it comes out between early September to early November. It has a white abdomen and yeah, and have a look around. Like the honeybees are still out of course, and um, hoverflies, but most solitary bees are kind of finishing up. Um, so have a look for this one and have a look at see if there's a white abdomen and let me know if you see it. Um, other things you can do, and I have been reading the pollinator plan, their emails that come through to me and the Biodiversity Action Ireland and the different, um, I suppose, uh, conservation groups that I sign up to so this is kind of some of the information that they have as well um so a suggestion of planting bulbs um so that they're ready for spring and you can also collect seeds during this time so the mountain ash and the hawthorn and the elderberry so they're all things you can do so when you're walking outside and you see all the trees um, some of them will be producing seed right now. So have a look around, see what you got, collect some. Um, and then I was, I've been reading on the biodiversity website. So um, they actually were talking about some of the species this year um, and the records like to date. And they were mentioning the orange tip butterfly, which looks so beautiful like so beautiful have a look of it online and they actually got over 1400 records this year so that's amazing and I think as well with lockdowns like people were more active in nature and they were actually way more surveys so people are really really getting active in nature so that's a real positive with the lockdown um another thing they were speaking about was the reptile um the slow worm which kind of looks like a snake and you can find it in the burren in the karst landscape 
and it's just like a legless lizard. So again, it heats itself from the sun, the direct sun, and you might find it um, on heated objects like stone or wood. Um, and again, there's uh, specific people up in the burn doing surveys on that slow worm. So yeah, so the numbers are increasing on that. And I think at the first sightings, they were a bit confused. They were like, is that a snake? In Ireland, a snake, but it's not, it's a slow worm. Um, what else do they have? They have the hedgehog surveys. So you can have these like boxes outside and then this paper. And then on the paper, you might have like the hedgehog's um, footprints. Um, and then really, really exciting. So there's actually a website as well. Um, it's called exploreyourshore.ie. And well, this is for Ireland, but I'm sure in your country, if you're elsewhere, you'll probably find it as well. Um, so you can actually um, record species of seaweed or other marine marine algae, marine species, anything really. Um, well, the Irish Whale and Dolphin Group, you can record the um, marine species like cetaceans. But the seaweed one, you can do... So basically, we have 570 species of seaweed. Amazing. And like seaweed has been harvested for centuries, like, you know, they would have been doing it all around the coasts for everything from fertilizer, for potatoes, um, plants, um, to like, you know, nutrition, um, to seaweed baths, to loads of things. It's even used in pharmaceutical, like seaweed has so many benefits and we've kind of like almost, we've lost that tradition in a way. Like we might swim amongst seaweed, but we don't realize like how beneficial it actually is. And um, there's so many different types. Um, so that's a really good website. And like you might see ones like sugar kelp. Um, so kelp is a really important one. Um, then you have like serrated rack. Um, you have um, coral weed. Um, mermaid's tresses which I really like this one I think it's really cute mermaid's tresses because um, if you ever go in the water and just go diving down deep and you get lost and you you find them and you find yourself and you're like caught up in it it's yeah it's pretty it's a pretty profound feeling and of course the ore weed so I would have collected the ore weed um, this year last year as well for fertilizer for crops and they've been doing that for a long time on farms you know um and you can also make sprays with the seaweed. You can um, like drain it and make a spray. I haven't done that. But, you know, the plants are a tough, uh, challenging, um, I suppose, piece of work because it's like, it's such hard work. Like, and I understand why people go to the shops because it really takes so much dedication. Like, you know, from, I remember sowing the seeds in February, you know, sowing seeds, having on the windowsills, waiting for them to grow propagate and then like you know getting the tunnel ready digging the tunnel up in march then getting the ground ready getting the soil ready fertilizer like it's a long process and now like it's october and the plants are finally kind of they're kind of dying off you know um obviously we have i have potatoes and brussels sprouts and cabbages and kale and the tunnel as well i still have like peppers and um what else melons I harvested the watermelons which was amazing um rhubarb I still have um lettuce 
um what else butternut squash but essentially like things are dying off like the cucumber plants are dying off now so I've been taking bits out one by one and the tomato plants are dying off so it really is like from February to now it's it's a long process and I found myself last winter almost like what am I doing you know and it was a great time actually to write my well I had the book done but to really um get finished with the book and get it edited and design it and all of it because when you're into growing and it takes up such a big amount of time and it's like a real uh, mental health thing as well it really keeps me balanced you know um that when it's gone it's like oh like the winter is here and no more growing and the days get cloudy but that also means there's opportunity for other ways to learn and grow and and get involved in other stuff more internal if you get me and I always keep up my sea swimming all year round so that's exciting um so yeah so you can go on to explore your shore you can check out all the species of seaweed look at the pictures and then when you go to the beach you can like it takes like 60 minutes you can choose a certain area a certain amount of meters and then you explore the different seaweeds in there and you record them and you can upload then so that's quite um that's quite a really interesting thing to do so another interesting thing as well about the plants um and the seaweed is that they can photosynthesize but um the seaweed can photosynthesize in all of its tissues, whereas the plants can only photosynthesize in the leaves. Um, and it's really important to note as well about the seaweed and the algae in that they produce like the majority of our global oxygen, you know. So when you're breathing in, you're breathing in. It's mostly coming from the ocean, which is amazing. You know, that's where life is coming from. That's your life force. And yes, the trees are so important but it's also really, really critical to note that the ocean is one of the largest reservoirs of our of our oxygen. And they say it's between 50 and 90 percent, which is crazy. Um, so, yeah, so oceans and trees, super important for our breathing. And if you think about it, when you're looking for grounding, when you're looking for breath, because breath is life, um, and you, you say like in today's world, we're very much up in our heads, um, concerned or worried or, you know, there's global events going on that can be quite scary. Remember to get back to the ocean or the forest. Both of them are equally grounding. The ocean is going to give you all that oxygen, the iodine, the chem, like you can't see the chemicals coming off the ocean, but they're, they're going into your body. They're being absorbed by your tissues and it's so phenomenally powerful. Like every day I get in the water, like I'm completely brought back to balance and the same with the trees, like the trees give off different chemicals in the morning versus the night. So again, it's just so important to be surrounded by nature because, um, it will work with you and it will allow you to be balanced and grounded and in a safe place rather than up in your head and confused and lost and worried about today's world. Um, so that's just a grounding technique. So coming to the end of the podcast, I would like to read. Um, so I'm reading the book, The Hidden Life of Trees, and it's so interesting and I read it every day like a little chapter so it's split in little chapters so I would like to just read a little part of that and um, give you an insight to what trees do so this is in the chapter yours or mine it says 
Whenever you walk through a tall, dark forest, you are walking down the aisles of a huge grocery store. It is filled with all sorts of delicacies, at least as far as animals, fungi and bacteria are concerned. A single tree contains millions of calories in the form of sugar, cellulose, lignin and other carbohydrates. It also contains water and minerals. Did I say a grocery store? A better description would be a heavily guarded warehouse for there is no question here of just helping yourself the door is barred the bark thick and you must come up with a plan to get to the sweet treasures inside and you are a woodpecker thanks to a unique structure that allows its beak to flex and head muscles that absorb impact a woodpecker can hack away at trees without getting a headache in the spring when water is shooting up through the trees streaming up to the buds and delivering delicious provisions, several species of woodpeckers called sapsuckers drill dotted lines of small holes in the thinner trunks or branches. The trees begin to bleed out of these wounds. Tree blood doesn't look very dramatic. It looks a lot like water, however. The loss of this bodily fluid is as detrimental to the trees as it is to us. This fluid is what these sap-sucking woodpeckers are after and they begin to lick it up. The trees usually mostly tolerate the damage as long as the woodpeckers don't get carried away and make too many of these holes. Eventually the holes heal over, leaving patterns that look like intentionally decorative scarring. Aphids, also called plant lice, are much lazier than woodpeckers. Instead of flying about industriously and hacking out holes here and there they attach their sucking mouthparts to the veins of leaves and needles thus positioned they get royally drunk in a way no other animals can the tree's lifeblood rushes through the veins of these tiny insects and comes out the other end in large droplets aphids need to saturate themselves like this because the sap contains very little protein and nutrient they need for growth and reproduction They filter the fluid for the protein they crave and expel most of the carbohydrates. Above all, sugar, untouched. Little wonder it rains sticky honeydew under trees infested with aphids. Perhaps you've had the experience of parking your car under stricken maple only to come back to a thoroughly filthy windscreen. Caterpillars are a different story. What they set their sights on is not sugary sap, but leaves and needles in their entirety. If there aren't too many of them, the tree barely notices, but populations explode in regular cycles. I had a run-in with one of these population explosions a few years ago in a stand of oaks in the forest I manage. The trees cover a steep south-facing slope. That June I noticed with horror that fresh new leaves had completely disappeared and the trees standing in front of me were as bare as if it were winter. When I got out of my jeep I heard a loud roar, pounding, of rain in the storm but there was clear blue sky above me so the noise couldn't be because of the weather no it was a hail of feces from millions of oak leaf roller caterpillars thousands of black pellets were bouncing off my head and shoulders Ugh! you see something similar every year in the large pine forests of eastern and northern germany commercial forest monocultures also encourage the mass reproduction of butterflies and moths such as nun moths and pine loopers What usually happens is that viral illnesses crop up toward the end of the cycle and populations crash. So folks, that's the hidden life of trees by 
Peter Wollleben. How they feel, communicate, discoveries from a secret world. So it's really, um, yeah, it's really, uh, it opened your, your eyes really to how trees communicate and the roots, the bark, the leaves, all of it together with the fungi and bacteria, the whole ecosystem and how important it is that we save them. And, and you know, you can't just plant an oak tree now and be like, oh, I'll see it when it's 200 years old. Like, it doesn't work like that. Trees are, they have a long lifespan and they can't just be shot up like those, you know, that they can't just shoot up like in in a in an instant like they're really precious to us and the older they are the more knowledge and intelligence they have that they can share with other saplings you know to to help them grow and like trees shouldn't be on their own you know when you see them on their own like they suffer and they need to be in a community in a network where they all grow together and support one another so that's my little note about trees guys um i hope you're out there taking notice of them and if you can during autumn get out into the forest and check out how the colors change and and what you observe and see in the fungi and and yeah just observe all of it and the seaweed and everything so i hope you enjoyed austria the beautiful mountain scenery the snow the glacier the hallstatt all of it if you've been there let me know and um again a massive thank you to the patrons for supporting this podcast I uh, can't believe it's gone since January. Um, so I'm going to finish off season two. I hope you've enjoyed the last uh, episodes. Um, give this a share if you like it. And if you would like to support the podcast, you can join on patreon.com slash catchkate. And patrons, I'll talk to you over on the app. Um, and yeah, just wishing you all a beautiful day and an amazing weekend and don't forget to get out and explore and I'll talk to you all very soon you can find me on Instagram if you want to follow my adventures ciao